Good morning. Welcome to the fourth edition of Seize the Day with Jim and Winston. And today we're going to work on uh, or discuss uh, how to construct things. Or it's a constructive day with Jim and Winston. Yeah, good morning, Jim. It's good to talk to you after the, the new year here. Yeah, we're at a, a brand new one and a fresh one, and it's already presented some challenges in life. It has, it is. and we're going to definitely share some of those with our listeners here, our avid followers. <laughs> so today is uh, it's uh, Saturday, January 23rd, 2016. I'm here with my good friend Jim Maletta um, via Skype, and we'll be talking about um, our theme of the day, which is um, uh, Jim's brilliant topic uh, idea. What did you think we should call this day there, Jim? Well, I thought we should call it a constructive day because we're talking about the right parts, the right tool, the right assembly. That's right. I, we, we were uh, doing a little powwow before we started this um, uh, talk this morning. And as we were talking about the themes uh, about what we were going to present, um, it just seemed to make sense to talk about having constructive days and having the right components to make it that way. So... Um, we're going to be glad to share some deep thoughts with you. So, Jim, why don't you start us off and let's talk about the right parts. Well, you know, anytime you're going to, you know, assemble something or construct something, and, you know, we had a really good fence-building discussion before we started. Yeah. And, um, you know, you you can, sometimes you're forced into to improvising and doing things, that, you know, because of, you know, potential emergencies or situations that need to be rectified immediately. They are first and foremost. And, and you know, you, you, you can do that improvised, but, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about a planned way of doing things. So, you know, you need the right parts. If we're building that fence, you need the, the right parts. We talked about different ways of doing your fence posts and some interesting stuff I've seen on this old house where, you don't bury the fence post in the ground. It's you. A dowel is used, and the dowel goes into the concrete base and up into the fence post itself, and then sections are constructed from there. So you know you you have to have a little bit of a plan about how you're going to do things so you can get the right parts. Right. I, I like that. And the reason why for our non-construction friends out in the audience, the reason why we're starting the, these are all our talks are a little bit. Um, an analogy on the larger scheme of life. That's the whole purpose of our Seize the Day Conversations, eh, Jim? <laughs> yes, that is. Uh, and sometimes uh, there's benefit in literal meaning, and then there's benefit in, you know, the meaning as a whole and how it can, it can apply to life. So if we end up helping you literally build your fence. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. This all this all talk started when I was telling you about a little bit about um, having the right tools for the job, and then also talking about how part of the fence fell down during the winter holidays. And we had this great idea to combine all this together, and um, and Jim had that brilliant idea of calling this theme a constructive day, and I thought that's that that was brilliant. So uh, you know, let's let let's share a few thoughts over the holidays here in December two thousand fifteen for myself. Um, section of my fence between my house and my neighbors fell down and I guess it was probably because the saturated soil and the, the fence posts had rotted over time and then I was talking to Jim about that and then um, when we were talking about having the right tools for the job um, and then we started talking about the right me methodology and that's how we led to the right parts and um, 
I think that applies a lot in life, eh, eh Jim? I mean, I mean, you go to Ikea, you go to Ikea to go buy some furniture, it starts off with the parts list, and then you work from there, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you're going to have uh, some times where, uh, I'll use an old adage, uh, uh, a plan to, when, when you go ahead and do something, a failure to plan will be a plan to fail. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. if, you, if you put a few things together, you know, I, I don't know how many times I've been involved in some project and we did a, you know, really large renovation to our home and, you know, you get partway down the path of a certain task and, well, I guess I'm going to Home Depot today or, or <laughs> Rona or wherever it is that you, you get that sort of stuff, you know, and, uh, some days they see you two or three times because I know you forget that little part or you didn't foresee something. So, uh, you know, efficiency, you know, the right parts and the planning can lead to some efficiencies and, and, uh, you know, that, that could be applied to just about anything you do. I agree. And you know, you can only do so much. Uh, but without the right parts, you can, you're not getting anywhere. So that's the foundation. If you talk about the, the bigger picture about what we're talking about today, it's like having the right foundation for things, which starts with the right parts. And then also when we move it on and talking about having the right tools, then you need to have the skills or the tools to make the parts into something. And then finally, you have to have the right methodology and the right assembly or, or focus to put it all together. And that, isn't that sort of symbolic in life? You just have to start with a good foundation. So that could be the right parts in the terms of having the right construction parts or right even having the right body for even like, let's say we're training for a marathon. Jim and I are, maybe one day we'll, we'll get ambitions and do an Ironman together, eh Jim? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can be in the support vehicle. <laughs> yeah, sure, there you go. But you see, in order for us to be successful in such a venture, we'd have to have the right parts, which would be a pretty healthy body that's well-trained. So if we didn't do our training, we would be starting off too well. At the same note, if we didn't have the right tools, which would be having runners and, and the support network, <laughs> we definitely wouldn't be able to put it all together as the right assembly and actually finish that race if we were going to do it, you know? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to share a, you know, uh, a preparation thing or a, um, same sort of lines is, you know, I was having a really sore neck and shoulder and, you know, the one, the left shoulder I've hurt four times and nothing overly seriously, but it's had some, some of it wear and tear through, through, uh, sports. Uh, you know, I did a partial separation crash and skiing once and it's been dinged a few times playing rugby and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, it doesn't quite function the way the other side does and, and, you know, sometimes we get into situations, you know, now doing a lot of desk work, you're taken out of an, you know, your appropriate ergonomics. And over time, if you don't deal with it, it, it gets to a point where, geez, I, I need to deal with this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I looked at, well, I've never really gone to massage therapy before. And I thought I should give that a try. Mm -hmm. And simultaneously some chiropractic because I know that my chiropractor has been able to, you know, put the odd thing in that joint back together. So here's the parts being used. I'm going to the, to the massage therapist and he's beating it up. And then I'm going to the chiropractor to get it aligned after it's been beat up because if the soft tissue has been worked, it's sometimes easier to, to get things to move 
structurally. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you know, after three visits to each of them, I went to a physiotherapist who I've seen on other occasions just to make sure that we aren't looking at some other problem and what tools or things can I be given to help me prevent having to visit all these people on such a frequent basis. This happened over about three weeks. Right, right. And it also coincided with starting a yoga program. Oh, wow. Hmm. That's uh, pretty good. My wife and I do it together almost every day wow. off of uh, YouTube presentations, Yoga with Adrian. Nice. You find her a great instructor, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's a good unwind to our day. We typically both do it after work. Nice. And uh, so long story short is after I had all these treatments and doing the yoga and everything and pulling up to an intersection and then turning to the right to do a, you know, a, a check of traffic and I turn and think, wow, my neck hasn't moved that freely in 20 years. Wow. Because <laughs> you know, I, I had a little bit of an experience playing a game in Seattle as a hooker where I got popped through the roof, as you would say, in a scrum. Popped wow. through the top of the scrum and my neck has never functioned the same since then. Wow. And basically, you know, it took out, uh, got the right parts and the visits to the right professionals and you know, um, employed the right tool, which would be the yoga. Right, and, right. And look at the result. My neck hasn't felt this good since 1988. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, that's a testimonial, right? Uh, you know, I kind of like our methodology going here, Jim. I think there's a larger picture in here that could form the, the makings of a good chapter of a book. Because think about it. We've, we've narrowed it down to having the right parts, the tool, and assembly. It's like a PTA method here, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I like how you're applying that, you know. And it seems like it's pretty easy to apply. You could pass that on to someone younger uh, that's starting out to try to look how to approach problems. You have to have the right parts to make it work. You have to have the right tools to use the parts and put the parts together. And you have to have the right assembly. So it's like, it's a whole philosophy. Uh, yeah, and you may even need a, uh, a preparatory step before you even go to the parts. And that's maybe in the recognition, not so much of as a problem, but of something you want to repair or construct. Right, right. There might be some mentorship along the, the assembly portion of it. Or even better, if you have a buddy who's already done what you're planning to do, they can overlook it or do it for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that word mentorship is really, really uh, something that I, I think is talked about a lot, but not necessarily accomplished as much. Right, right, you I know, agree. I, I, I had a great experience in job change. You know, I changed jobs in May and went to work for a local... Uh, excavating construction company and you know it was owned by a son but the father still worked in the business and uh, you know Rick the dad he has you know a 50-year career in construction wow and heavy construction and uh, you know that goes up to a very very high level of being a general superintendent in multi-million dollar projects and and uh, running his own business before, you know, uh, the son Mike buys him out and, and all that. And uh, anyway, Rick had a pretty specific methodology for estimating. Mm-hmm. And he was such an excellent mentor in uh, sharing his methodology, uh, being patient in the learning of that methodology and application of it. And then it got to the point where we did joint reviews of one another's work and, 
am very confident and fluid in the in the methodology in such a quick time because there was there wasn't anything punitive about making a mistake. You were mentored into getting to a certain level. Wow, that's deep. And, and how much I enjoyed that experience, and I've told Rick that. Mm. So you know that you know that whole thing is parts tool and assembly in a nutshell that that a mentor was able to to provide to me. I like that. I like that. I'm really getting into this groove of this uh, parts tool and assembly thing now. <laughs> and going back to the shoulder and neck thing. Yeah. The assembly is is a is not an end point. It's a continuous one. I have to continue with you know what the physiotherapy has suggested I do to keep the shoulder where it needs to be. I have to continue in the in the yoga to to keep the neck and the back and all those things functioning optimally. So, you know, just there, there, in some things we do, the parts tool and assembly may just be a continuous thing that we have to, not, not necessarily an end point. That's a good point. You know, it, the work doesn't end um, when, it, when the system starts working. It's the continuous implementation that actually uh, leads to the success you're looking for, right? And, and things are going to go out of line. I'm going to have to go back to the to the um, massage therapist and the chiropractor mm -hmm. once in a while just to put things back. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not going to be just a, a you know a one-time deal. It'd be great if you could get healthy once and for all, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the funny thing. You know, we're always looking for the quick fix and, and the, the permanent fix. And then we're talking about the farmer's fix that we're talking about. And, you know, sometimes you have to get them a guy or something together because you don't have the right parts or the right tools and you're stuck in a situation where you're going to make do with what you've got, right? Well, you know, and, and sometimes we engage our bodies, you know, like if you go out and you re end up rebuilding the whole fence. Right. And maybe we just don't, aren't perfect in our ergonomics or something gets pulled or we overdo something and, you know, there's a, some structural misalignment or soft tissue uh, impingements, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. then, you know, that's when you need to employ your tools again. Right, right. right? Good get point. back to those people that that can that can help get you back to where you want to be. And just just to, you know, a lot of people, not everyone, have um, you know benefit packages through their employment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just encourage people instead of, you know, boy, that neck sore, that shoulder is bad and it's been going on for weeks or months. Use your benefit package. Go ahead and get those tools and parts and, and assembly going. Mm -hmm. You know, from, from my experience. And, and um, if you're in business and those sorts of packages don't exist for you because, you know, you're like yourself, Winston, you're pretty much, you, you know, a one man yeah. band, right? Yeah, yeah. Build that into your cost of doing business. Yeah, you have to because, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you got to make hay when the sun's shining. I mean, yeah. when you're a consultant or an expert in your field, um, you pretty much have to take care of yourself because you're the, your greatest asset. And that's what I started learning over the years, Jim. It's funny you brought that up. Over the years, I realized that I'm the part, I'm, I'm also the person that's got to put the tools together to make that work. And I have to assemble myself in such a way that I'm valuable to the market. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you know, there's a great business analogy for uh, you know something that has a literal um, application. Mm -hmm. No, I, I love that. I love that. It is important. You know, when you when you're doing your expert work and you have a limited time out in the field, 
to make your mark in, in a sense, you have to really maximize the time you're out there. Like you have to give a little bit away as a teaser or, or support or complimentary to the people supporting you. But there is a point where you have to value your time to make sure that you're well taken care of for the time that you're out there. Because the one thing you don't get back is your time. Yeah, that's a really, really interesting uh, statement, Winston. It, and it just brought to mind an experience I had way, way back in 1982. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of our listeners may not have been around then. But <laughs> sure, share with us, share with in, us. In taking my uh, education um, at BCIT down in Burnaby, you know, when you study engineering, you have three trimesters in the year and two semesters in the year for core courses. Right. And the trimesters are in the uh, engineering courses. Right. So in the last trimester, which would be six in total in taking the diploma, the technology mm -hmm. uh, program, we had a course called construction. And every week, a new um, presenter was brought in and, and they would give a presentation on different aspects that related to civil engineering technology. And, you know, back then the, the building trades were extremely strong and vibrant and, and you know, the British Columbia was a very unionized province and still has a lot of unions. And, and you know, I, I, I encourage people not to fear that fact. Right. Uh, but that's not what this is about. Anyway, the, the president of the building trades gave a presentation and one of the statements he gave in this presentation has always stuck with me. He said, the only thing you have to offer for uh, remuneration is your time. That's the only thing that you can give to receive compensation for. Wow. And, uh, you know, some people end up producing a product and selling a product, but in the process of doing that, their time is used in, in producing that product. But... As an individual working for somebody, or in in your case, you know, oftentimes it's your knowledge, skill, and uh, expertise that comes with the product that that comes along. And, and if you don't put the time into that, you don't get the remuneration from the eventual sale. Yeah, so that's always stuck yeah. with me. Be very careful how much that goes away for free. Yeah, yeah, I know because the value of it is diminished when you um, when you don't uh, take care of that. And you know, the the first person that's got to value that is yourself because uh, you know the funny thing is the market will pay um, what it's worth. In, in general, like generally speaking, you you build up your value, your intrinsic value by what you bring to that hour, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when you when you um, give it away so freely, the problem is not only are you not valuing your time, but then nobody else will either. Yeah, and, and the, the, you know, if you look at the, the parts tool and assembly, and you apply it to the workplace, mm -hmm. parts can be, you know, skill development, right? And part of that could be education, part of that could be prior to education and work that you had done. Mm -hmm gaining experience, different jobs, then you get the education, so you've had some experience in the workplace, now you have some education, mm -hmm. and then you take those two combined things and you start to apply them in the area that you, you, you potentially studied. Not everybody does that, but that's, you know, we're, we're going to take a little bit of a linear view of this. Mm -hmm. 
right? And, you know, you do a few jobs once you come out of that education and you gain more experience in that field and, and maybe sometimes you divert off that path and you step out of that field, but you're still gaining experience and knowledge and you can come back into that same line and, and discover that some of what you learned over outside of that field actually has application to it and blah, 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 blah. So it, you, you gain all these skills and experiences that give you more value in that end product. So, you know, we've gone through the parts, tools, and assembly of a career, essentially. Hmm. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Well, and the only thing I'd like to impart to, to maybe uh, younger folks is that... Um, Every job can teach you something. Right. You, you're you're never going to start at the top. Um, don't be afraid to try different things, and that that can apply to education. I you know I think the world changes a lot faster now than it did twenty or thirty years ago. So you you know what you choose to do today, twenty years from now, may be somewhat of a a Windows uh, three <laughs> obsolete. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. But every, you know, work and what you can end up earning or development of a business, it, it all takes time, effort, and experience. And, and every every step along the way can make you more valuable down the road. Yeah, I, I agree. You have to sort of build your following too, right? You have to get the, earn your stripes and then in a sense be able to share that knowledge with people and there is a certain amount of charity involved uh, or complementary nature of it, so to speak, right? As long as you're balancing that um, uh, that charity with like, a fair exchange on the other end so that there is some goodwill that will come back to you. Yeah, I, ha I had an experience at a, at a bike shop that's only three or four blocks away from where I live. And I, you know, I went down and I... I, I it's going to fit into our theme today. I didn't have the right tool to be able to change pedals because the wrench was too fat. You needed a narrower wrench. Right. And um, uh, this needed a, a seat quotes change. So anyway, I went into the bike shop and I'd already bought the parts, but went down there and they, you know, put the new seat post on and the seat on it and changed the pedals out and all that sort of stuff. And I think I exchanged the seat. I got a different seat. So, you know, I, I don't know, it came to, Twenty, thirty dollars, or whatever, and, and uh, I said to the bike shop owner, "I said, well, aren't you charging me a little bit of labor here? Mm -hmm. You know, your time's not free." Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I guess. How does four bucks sound or five bucks? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Sure. So if I'm going to end up using this bike shop regularly and I want great service and the right products or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, I think I'm going to be treated or looked at as a little better when I walk through the door because I understand that that's part of his business. Yeah, exactly. Well, you did something nice for him too. What you did is you actually put a value on his time. Well, I, I recognized it too. So. Right. And not, and you know, you, you got to believe that if you're that fair to others, it's going to come back to you in a different karmic way too. Oh, you sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, you would hope so because um, it, it, it's true. You know, I, I think what's more generous is what, like giving somebody a product is is um, an exchange, um, and if you negotiate a good price, that's a you know hopefully it's a fair exchange. But when you offer them the time of the support, um, that's when you really 
can put a feather in your cap and actually shine. Because I found like recently we supplied some equipment to some uh, clients and uh, one thing that was very conditional on the sale was um, providing that, that support after receiving the product. And their experience that they shared with me was that in, in the past they'd only negotiated only for product and not for the follow-up service. And, you know, that goes the adage to saying that, you know, the the product is only as good as how well you know how to use it. <laughs> you know, I mean, how, how many of us have cell phones that probably have great capacities in the palm of our hands, but if you don't know how to use all the functions of it, you may never use, the, use it to its maximum benefit. Oh, that goes to anything uh, uh, technological. For sure, the, uh, yeah. I, I can honestly say that about the computer. I mean... Uh, I think we're both uh, using the Apple variety of that. I looked at the at the bottom band, and you know, there's GarageBand and and uh, all sorts of other stuff that you know I haven't ever even touched. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess you you know a need for that's going to have to exist one day. But it, there's so much capability there that is unaccessed. Yeah, like that that just shows you how much potential that not only our computers have, but just think about all the potential that we have as individuals. We have all the right parts to make it any you know, make anything possible. Uh the right tools are available if we get find the right people and the right uh methodology. And then if we're assembling ourselves right, I mean who we have unlimited potential that way. You know, from what we can become. I, you know, it's funny, my daughter brought this, uh, this um, point the other day. She said, hey dad, you know, I was watching this show when you're just kind of walking by and you're, I was watching this UFC fight, right? And she was saying, hey, that guy's like 150 odd pounds and hey, you know, you're around that, that range. And, but look how he's assembled. <laughs> <laughs> so we might have the similar parts. He might have a little bit better tools, but it's definitely different assembly. <laughs> How he could look so good in 150. I'm not looking shabby, but I'm telling you, I'm not. I don't have that six pack that he had, though. <laughs> well, I'm on a little bit different scale than that, you know. I <laughs> bought the six pack when you can have the whole cake. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, the, the the goal is to make it from a full size cake to a pony cake, though. So I'm I'm working on reducing that. All right, there you go. But it's just so funny, you know, you can have the same number, but different composition. That's what I'm saying, you know? Yeah, yeah, you bet. You know, it's, it's how you arrange the parts. <laughs> and, and um, you know, Winston was so generous to share a, a, or gift me a book for the holidays that I, I managed to, to read and get through it. And it has a lot of, uh, a lot of tools and assembly required mm. for it. You know, and, and it's, it's a business-oriented book. And, uh, you know, it really points out some great efficiencies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've had a chance to have a you know, bit of a discussion and the odd email exchange on it. And we don't feel that every, every part in the book applies to everyone. Yeah, I agree. And, or is useful for who's, who we are as people. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that the, all the parts are, are a bad idea or whatever. No. And, uh, you know, it, it was just a, a really interesting, you know, look on the author's perspective of, of what he perceives as, as priorities. Yeah, and you know what, that's a, that's a neat way of, of saying that. When you were mentioning about how you saw the book and how we were 
we don't agree with everything in it, but we agree with parts. And the thing is that it doesn't, isn't this sort of like, life is like a buffet there, Jim. You know, you're presented with a whole whack of options. You walk up and down the aisles and pick the things that you think you'll like to eat the most, right? Or form part of you the most. And then you leave some things behind because if you try to take in everything and accept everything that was presented to you, you'd get pretty full pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, choice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost a skill. It, the skill is not even in the ability to absorb, but the ability to know, be wise enough to know what's for you and what's not for you, you know? Yes, well put. Well, I just, I got inspired by what you were saying. <laughs> so that's about uh, having the tools in front of you, like going down the aisle at Home Depot, but you definitely don't need like a, a bolt or a nut when you're trying to find something useful for your hammer. You might want to get a nail instead, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you might have the right tool, but if you have the wrong part, it's not going to assemble very well. <laughs> <laughs> not unless you're a welder. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was funny, on that same parts tool and assembly philosophy, I was opening up my, my daughter's MacBook to try to do a, an upgrade on her hard drive, and um, Apple so conveniently put this very specialized um, uh, uh, Torx uh, screw on the side, and it happened to be a size that's so rare that you know, anybody who's ever tried that upgrade will realize that you have to go run to the hardware store to get a specific tool. Well, I thought of many ways, you know, the farmer's way, taking a pair of pliers, a wrench or whatever, try to open it. But I don't think I could have got to it without damaging the screw, right? And I yes. thought, you know, in my heyday, I might have tried to make wing it. But I thought, you know, no, I'm going to look for the right tool, you know. And I, I started searching and years ago, I had bought this, this, uh, screwdriver said, and anybody who's a fix-it kind of guy was probably walked down the aisles of Home Depot or, or Rona or something and, and bought tools they probably haven't used. <laughs> you put them on the shelf thinking, one day I'm going to need this thing. Or it's such a great deal, how could I turn it down? I need a 56-piece bit set for a screwdriver, right? And, you know, uh, if you use it once, it pays for itself. Exactly. So I had this thing in my tool section of my garage hanging up on the on the wall, and I, I bet I've walked by this this unopened tool set, this Husky tool set, yeah, for for years, and I never really thought that I would need it because I had so many other screwdrivers and and precision tools. I thought you know it's nice to have, but I don't think I'm going to be using it anytime soon. Well, the day came, Jim. The day <laughs> came. Two three years later, after hanging up on that shelf, I got curious. In fact, I was just about to go out to Home Depot to buy that tool, and it was about ten dollars for that one drill, like one screw bit, right? And I walked there and I thought, maybe by chance this set will have it because it, it was pretty comprehensive, right? And sure enough, the T6 Torx set that I was looking for, for that bit was right in the middle. I couldn't believe it. Perfect. It was like that moment you reach into your pocket and you need a dollar and pay dirt, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll share, uh, I'll share, uh, it's not so much a similar experience, but you know, uh, an, another point of recognition while doing something. Um, we had, uh, winter's been pretty aggressive this year in Craverick. Mm -hmm. and, um, we had quite a bit of snow and, and the snow was a little bit unique because it, it came down at cooler temperatures and there was some, some wind that came with it. So it, it was somewhat slabby to use a technical term. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, I, I went up to shovel off the our our deck, and I noticed our 
eaves troughs at the back were full of ice, like, and about four or five inches above the top of the eaves trough. And, you know, oh gosh, it looks like we've got ice damming going on here. Right. And I got looking around, and, and this, the, the attic didn't seem to be ventilating properly because the roof vents seemed to be so encapsulated in snow that I don't think that the roof was venting properly. So it wasn't cold air underneath the roof mm -hmm. venting out. Mm -hmm. Eventually, warmer builds up and you'll get some melting and it collects, gets past the eaves and gets to eaves troughs and freezes. And it wasn't just the eaves troughs that were frozen, it was the downspouts too. Right. So now I've got to solve this problem. And there was some internet research and and this and that and the next thing. So, you know, I, I had to get myself a couple trips to, to Canadian Tire this time, not Home Depot. Yeah. And I got some, some heater cords, basically, and I was able to get the, the downspouts to start to release. And, uh, you know, we got a little bit of warmer weather, so you get that little bit of water at the bottom of the eaves trough. So I started cleaning out the eaves troughs and, and working towards the downspout. So I managed to get the, the one downspout eaves trough opened up and wrapped the heater wire around it and got it to start to loosen up. And, and once enough started to flow out, then I was able to to pour hot water down it. Now I've got the downspout open, but the eaves trough needs to be cleared out. Oh man. Well, so I'm, you know, take, I've got a, you know, a claw hammer there with a bar and I'm chipping it and it's breaking up fairly easily because there's that little skim of water in it. Right. And, um, you know, I, I spent quite a few, you know, I got about a third of that section of, of, eaves trough cleared out and was coming in for the night knowing I'd have to get back at it again the next day and I got thinking to myself I own a pneumatic chisel and an air compressor and a 50 foot hose <laughs> why am I doing this by hand <laughs> so needless to say uh, the next two thirds of that section went quite quickly yeah no kidding eh <laughs> and, I, and I got another section done the day after that so. <laughs> wow! See, isn't that isn't that cool? You had the right tool. <laughs> well, we had to recognize that I had the right tool. Yeah, and, and that isn't that kind of profound, though. Sometimes we'll we'll have the right tool available to us, but you know, in the in the midst of it, we won't reach for that tool because we think that oh, we'll just you know uh, go about it the hard way. But it makes it so much nicer when you have the right tool for the job. Yeah, and my, and my only real goal that day was to get the. Um, the downspouts freed up. Right. And I, once I got that done, I, I sort of, you know, I thought, oh, I might as well, I'm up here on the ladder, I might as well just keep chipping away, right? Mm -hmm. Without maybe a little too focused on what the, what I was doing immediately instead of stepping back and thinking, okay, now what's the best way to do this? Right, right. So, you know, sometimes uh, our attention to the detail we're looking at, mm -hmm. If you take a step back and, and have a bigger picture look at it, you might get an aha as a better way to do it. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Sometimes having fresh eyes on a situation uh, helps as well. You know, like when we're too close to a problem, we only see the problem. We don't really see potential solutions. And maybe we've been staring at it too long that we only see it that way. You know, when we were talking about um, 
uh, uh, solutions to problems that that others don't see. You know, when we're talking about environmental issues and we're talking about um, uh, land escarpment issues and things like that. When we're getting too close to a problem, sometimes we get so set in our ways that we only have these tools in front of us and these parts. So what are we going to do with those? And sometimes you got to look outside the box, your own toolbox, and go out and get a new tool that's going to be more efficient. Even though it might cost you a little more, it could save you loads of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that brings to mind a story. Um, I think this is in happened in New York in the Holland Tunnel. Anyway, this uh, truck driver went into the Holland Tunnel and soon discovered that uh, his load was bigger than what the tunnel height was. So he's kind of stuck in this tunnel. Wow. And there's all sorts of police and emergency and the truck driver and all these people around wondering how they're going to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. and, up, and the you know, the traffic is totally blocked. Nothing's moving in the tunnel. And this kid walks up and he says, geez, why don't you let some air out of the tires? <laughs> <laughs> they did it and got the truck out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. That That's brilliant because that reminds me of a, uh, of a movie I just watched. Um, same deal. It was the the movie with the rock in it, Dwayne Johnson, um, called San Andreas about the earthquake thing, right? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, did you guys feel the earthquake during uh, the late December there? Uh, no, no. But you heard about it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's good. You're on stable ground. Down here, we felt it for a few seconds. But the same deal. In, in one part of the movie, uh, there's a girl that's one of the main characters that's stuck inside a car under an, in an underground parking lot. And um, the top, because there was an earthquake, um, some uh, boulders and things were, like, this, the concrete from the second floor were falling down on top of this car that she was in and pinned her legs against the... Uh, like, like she's in the back seat, so she's um, got her, her legs pinned down from the front seat. And uh, these two guys are trying to get her out of the car, but unfortunately, they're trying to wedge open the door. But the height is compressed to the point where there's not enough leverage for her to get out of the car. So, you know, thinking outside the box, one of the kids takes this crowbar and um, takes this, the pointy end and spikes the tires to lower the the vehicle in order to get her out. Same oh. kind of. Same kind of deal. There you go, yeah. You know, thinking outside the box. You know, if you can't lower or you can't uh, jack the car up any further to get her out of there, at least you can lower the car so she's got more leg room to get out, you know? Yeah, and some of the best solutions are the simplest ones. Yeah, and some see how that, that kid uh, took a look at that problem and looked at it from another point of view and managed to make that happen, right? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, brings to mind another... Another uh, bit of a story, uh, uh, you know, I have a friend who's originally from Newfoundland and, you know, we were, we were uh, you know, sharing some, just having a conversation like today and he was talking about a, you know, a, a place near his hometown, it, it was a bit of a processing plant for a mine and uh, it had been mothballed for quite a while, but commodities being what they were, whatever the commodity was there, it had come back to where it was worth looking at, at reopening this mine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they got two opinions on the cost of, of what you would call the mill to the mine, you know, and, uh, the, they hired a consulting engineering firm and they came in and basically redesigned everything at an exorbitant cost. And, you know, it was, it was 
at the point where the capital investment may not have been worth reopening the mine, even though the commodity had value. Mm -hmm. Then they had another opinion. They had a, a millwright superintendent type of a guy, a, a trades guy, go in who'd been in these plants his whole life, working career, go in and look at it and his, give an evaluation. He says, other than a few electric motors here and there, all the equipment will still work. <laughs> he said, and, and once you put mothballed equipment back to work, you're probably going to see some repair bills. <laughs> you know, some bearings could be shot or this or that. And he came up with a totally different take. This plant will do what you need it to do. You're just going to need to invest in a few parts through employing some people and tools. Nice. And the cost is not that much, not that prohibitive. Right. So here you have two perspectives on the, on, on how to, to do something. Yeah, that's that's actually kind of neat. One one from one from a a person whose perspective is more on a design optimal situation, and one who takes a more realistic, pragmatic view at it, and and decides that there's still function within what's there. Mm -hmm. It just needs some essentially tender, loving care. Right, right. Yeah. I like that. I like that. That's pretty cool. I mean, you know, we covered some pretty good ground today, Jim. I mean, our, our methodology here could be a nice patented approach, don't you think? <laughs> well, I think we should maybe apply for that patent, but <laughs> <laughs> it's you, the, you it's, might find that it's been used before. Yeah, very true, very true. Well, instead of thinking about parent-teacher conferences and PTAs, we're talking about parts, tools, and assembly with Jim and Winston. <laughs> <laughs> and also that can be applied to many, many, many situations. Yeah, I think we've done a fabulous job again for this episode of Seize the Day, don't you think, Jim? Oh, stellar, Winston. <laughs> we got to be our biggest supporters. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope that uh, whoever's you know, out there listening to our podcast today has had a good time. We try to inject some good energy in the new year for them. And um, do we have any closing remarks that you want to share there, Jim, before we, we sign off until February? Yeah, just want to wish all our listeners all the best for the new year and hoping that uh, their challenges can be met with the right parts, tools, and assembly. Yeah, and in the, gym's, uh, in the, in the spirit of my friend Jim Maletta here, uh, we hope that you have very constructive days ahead. Outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent, Jim. I guess we'll sign off for now and we'll uh, look forward to inviting our listeners back in February 2016 here. And uh, we'll uh, definitely have new topics. And if you have any suggestions or comments, feel free to post them below. Um, you know, uh, the internet's a great place. And if you want to binge listen to all our old episodes, they're all available on Podbean there. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you next month and for the many months to come. Have a great day. All right. Let's seize the day together, Jim. Seize the day. Seize the day. Take care until next month. See you later. You bet. Okay, bye-bye.